Hi, and welcome to another episode of Raising His Kids, a podcast for stepmoms. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren, a child-free stepmom of one, hoping for an hour's baby soon. And I'm Tony, a bio mom of two and a stepmom of two. We are two stepmoms who, although we live at opposite ends of the world, quickly bonded over how we all deal with the same Karen as we navigate our lives raising his kids. Welcome back to Raising His Kids. I'm Tony, and I'm thrilled to have you here for part two of our discussion on parenting neurodivergent children. Last week, I had an incredibly insightful conversation with my newly found dear friend and fellow stepmom, Jocelyn. We opened up about our personal experiences, sharing stories of triumphs, challenges, and the beautiful complexities that come with raising neurodivergent children. This week, we are picking right back up where we left off as we continue our exploration into the world of neuro diverse parenting. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy. Mm. And he had warned me that his brother is really weird. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, that's whatever. I'm like, okay, so we go and I meet his family. And the minute I sit down to talk, he said, don't talk to my brother, or you're going to get stuck talking to him. And I was like, right. okay. So I sat down and started talking to his brother. And when I tell you that his brother talked to me for over an hour, about a pin draw like draw like a draw like he is an artist and he does incredible artwork and literally has written art like bible verses into like a photo okay okay so like if you can understand what i'm saying he writes out bible verses but so small and it makes a photo of like a lion or a cross yeah i've seen like like pictures and that people beautiful. do that they like do like their wedding yes. song over like a wedding photo there it is yep yeah so beautiful right okay mm-hmm. he talked to me about it for over an hour and we get in the car and i was fine i'll i'll hear it i care less yeah we get in the car and my husband says something I'm like i told you not to talk to him and i was like so is your brother on the spectrum is has it's he so he's autistic and yeah my husband looked at me and goes what and i was like well, i'm he, i'm not it's very clear like we yeah, talked right for over an hour about one thing like that's and he was like, oh, my God. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, that's my brother. And I was like, you're joking, right? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't know? You know. Goes, no, I just thought he was weird. And I was like, oh, my God. And his <laughs> his mom, she cannot have, she doesn't know how to, like, engage socially. She doesn't mm-hmm. know how to um, have a conversation. Like, she can't carry on. Like, it's, and I was like, your mom, too. And he was just kind of like, wow. And I was like, this is obviously where Joshua gets it. And he's yeah. like, I'm like. And he like it was as if I explained gravity to him that he like he was like whoa mind blown yeah mind blown and so it was just so funny because again and I think that really is such like a picture perfect of when you grow up or you are around someone from the very beginning it's like that's just how they are and when you are an outsider looking into it it's like no that's not just how they are he's autistic like he's on the spectrum and not that there's anything that you would do differently because again there's no medication but wow like his whole life he's told he's weird because he wants to talk to you about an hour for this painting that he did that he's super proud of but he's also hyper fixated 
correct because he doesn't know how to have a conversation any other way. And the only Mm -hmm. thing he knows how to confidently talk about is this painting because he feels safe in discussing it. Whereas he knows he needs to be engaging, but he doesn't really know how to engage. So let me talk about this because I'm, I can talk about this. But now I'm talking about it for over an hour and I'm not reading her social cues that she wants to stop talking. So I'm going to keep talking more because I think she's disengaged, but I don't know how to actually end this conversation because I don't know social cues. I don't know social Mm -hmm. norms. And so it's like that whole like idea of like, whoa. And so with being on the spectrum, I would just encourage anyone. This is my personal take. Yeah. Um, Again, I'm not a doctor. I would very much limit things that they become hyper fixated on. So for us, I have to, Joshua loves to read. He could sit down and read a book. I, I like I have to tell him Joshua I need you to go outside yeah well, I'm reading I'm so glad you're reading son I that makes my mm-hmm. heart so happy you're such a good reader but I need you to go outside you need to go get some vitamin D yeah. well can I bring my book and sit out there and read sure babe that's fine but you need to go outside that is and, big K to a T and it's because I think he is uncomfortable playing with the other kids because mm-hmm. they think he's weird or he can't control his you know impulsivity and like thinks he's playing if they're playing football and he's playing and he gets rough but he doesn't realize he's being overly rough and because he doesn't know how to like really control his body and his needs but then also when the other kid is super rough with him he's crazy sensitive and he if like someone pushes him to the ground and he scrapes his arm well that's for him he he'll come in he's crying he's super hurt Mm -hmm. he wants to tell you about how he got this owie when he got it he's always hurt Every single day I pick him up from school, there's something that happened that hurt him. Like he's fell playing basketball and scraped his knee and he wants to show everyone, look, I fell like these, like, and to anyone else, like if my oldest fell and scraped his knee, like my oldest fell down the side of a cliff hiking, scraped up the side of his knee. And he's like, I'm fine. Now, if that was Joshua, he's so sensitive. It would have been like, take me to the hospital. See, And and that that's the two older boys, the two older boys like that. Like I remember. Remember Big J like fell off his bike one day. He was trying to do tricks and he fell off his bike. And I'm like, mate, you're not even bleeding. Go back outside. I am the most insensitive person when it comes to that. I'm like, go outside. And like Big K broke his elbow at school because he was being bullied, right? But I've had this problem where he's lacking those social cues. So he thinks everyone is bullying him. So I kept telling him to suck it up, learn to be friends, blah, 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 blah. And it's got to this point where this kid has pushed him and he's broken his elbow, right? We're in hospital and I'm like, you're fine. And I'm waving his arm around. He's like, ah! And I'm like, you're fine. Like, you're not even crying. Your elbow's not broken. Right. Yeah, it's broken. He's still in a sling and they don't want to cast it because he'd need a full arm cast and being autistic, that's going to irritate him and he's probably going to smash it off. Right. So they're keeping it in a sling and it's just like, I feel so guilty because I'm like, but that's the other side that comes with being on the spectrum is that you also have a really high pain threshold sometimes. You're Mm -hmm. either overly sensitive or you have a really high pain threshold. So for him, he wasn't crying. He was in pain. He knew he was in pain, but he wasn't sure showing that emotion because to him, he feels he doesn't need to. Right. Right. And I think that that's so important to know, like it's not, and again, it's never one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So where yours is 
no showing emotion, even though he's severely in pain. Mine is slightest pain. And he's, you know, it's DEFCON 500. Like we need to take him to the hospital because he scraped his arm. And so it's just interesting because I think it really is about each person's, how their brain works. And there's no one size fits all. So Mm -hmm. we, with Joshua, we are very mindful of his sugar intake. Um, We don't do a lot of processed sugars. We don't do a lot of processed foods. Um, Gluten actually has been uh, linked with uh, autism and having Mm -hmm. an effect with, or uh, yeah, ASD, sorry. So it's been linked with someone with ASD and and causing reactions, like a chemical Mm -hmm. thing in the brain. Obviously I said processed sugars. um, And I, so for us, it's about how can we eliminate chemicals that respond different in his brain? Mm -hmm. And he hates it. I mean, there's times where he's like, sometimes he's really good. Like, hey, there was a kid who had a birthday party and I just ate half the cupcake at school. And we're like, good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other times where he's like, why can't I have, you know, that? And we never like, like, so there's cookies, right? Um, You can have one, mm-hmm. you can't have two, or you can have half of a cookie if it's a really big one, or maybe there's a gluten-free option, or we do a lot of like uh, monk fruit, different sugars, right? And so it's just teaching him that. And it sucks for him because it is different than the other kids. And he already feels different than the other kids. And so we just let him know, like the older he gets, these are things that are going to help him as he becomes older. And it might not always be this way, right? He might be able to um, have more sugar when he's older. But even my husband, I can tell when he is eating poorly because he becomes lethargic. Mm-hmm. He's not his brain. He's like overwhelmed. He he'll start even start mumbling. So like when we're talking, I'll be like, what? What are you yeah. saying? You're like mumbling. And it's because sugar, same with Joshua, it's like reacts to him differently. And his brain is not able to function on mm-hmm. the highest possible level. Yeah. So anyways, I just talked forever about that. And I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Just I want to touch on diet quickly because Big K's got a relatively good diet. Like he's with me 11 nights a fortnight. So I have good control over his diet, right? Every time he comes back from his dad's, I know when he's had too much junk food and Mm -hmm. he will ask me to make him a salad to take to school. He'll be like, can you make me a salad? Or I'll go like on transition days, we generally do like easy junk food things like homemade pizzas or Mm -hmm. let him eat like a tin of baked beans on toast or just, you know, whatever you're feeling like, mate, you can have it. And he'll come home and he'll go, can I have vegetables? And that's all I need to know to know that he hasn't eaten well. And he's very responsive to that. He's also Mm -hmm. very conscious about eating good foods, whereas the other two boys are not very conscious of it. And little Jay's actually just been diagnosed with faulted growth because he is the same size as Big K. They're two years apart. Big K is a big boy. Little Jay is a smaller boy, but the same height. But Mm. there's like a, what I weighed them on Friday and little J came in at 22.8 kilos and big K came in at 27.8 kilos and they're the same height. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big difference. And big K isn't overweight. Little J is underweight. Um, He Mm. also, every time he goes to his mum's, we've like bulked him up. He's gained a lot of weight the week he's with us. He comes back to us and he's lost weight. So we sent him back to her last Thursday at 24.9 kilos. And he came home to us eight days later, losing two kilos. So it's ridiculous. 
See, and that's, and I think that's the hard and frustrating part of like, why are you not doing what is going to benefit your child? Like, right. I mean, there's been multiple times where, I mean, they'll stay, actually, it's super funny. They are with, obviously it's, they're with their mom at their grandparents Mm -hmm. for these seven weeks over summer. And um, someone had told me that there was a photo posted of him eating uh, red licorice Mm. and both of the licorices were hanging out of his mouth. First of all, red licorice like red dye like I'm sorry like I am not granola but just just type in red dye in your google search and see what Mm -hmm. comes up the chemical that is in red dye besides the fact that it causes cancer like reacts so badly and like those are the things that I'm like what is wrong with you? Like, why would you, why do you do this to your child? Because it, it just hurts him in the long run. Let me do you one better. Why give a child who's on a dexamphetamine ADHD medication, who struggles with hyperactivity, who also doesn't sleep at night because of his sensory processing disorder, because of his autism, why would you give him Coke and then go, oh, but it's okay because it has no sugar in it? Yeah, that's my favorite. We're giving our child Coca-Cola, like not even right. just like- First of all, n- caffeine. So like that's not, cool. It's not even like the knockoff brands that don't have caffeine in it. It's the actual Coca-Cola full of caffeine and go, oh, but it has no sugar in it. It's fine. I'd rather you give him a full sugared Sprite. Exactly. That's, I. she's done the same thing. And I'm like, oh my God, like what? Yeah. What? what? And caffeine, not what? only is it a stimulant, it's an appetite suppressant. So we're struggling with a child who won't eat. Like he would rather not eat. We have to like and shovel hi, food in. The no sugar is is fake sugar, people. So mm-hmm. what is fake sugar? It's aspartame. What's aspartame? A chemical. Mm-hmm. So just give them a spoonful of sugar. Like I would rather you give them. Yeah. It, yeah. I know. I it's know. Ridiculous. And I and I don't get it. Like I don't get it either. So I'll jump in. I'll just share the answers from the poll. So I shared the poll on my page and on the RHK page, and it's come back with a total of fourteen percent have answered that they have a bio child that's neurodivergent. 40% have come back saying they have a bonus child that's neurodivergent, which you'd expect it to be higher with when it's a stepmom account, right? Mm -hmm. So we're assuming that majority of them don't have bio children of their own. Mm-hmm. And 6% said they have both neurodivergent bonus and bio kids. And then 40% came back with none. Mm. So, but that's definitely more neurodivergence. There's more out yeah. there, yeah. you know. And I wanted to also say before how he said like not normal behaviors, they're only not normal to a neurotypical person. Correct. I just Correct. didn't want anyone to come at either of us and go, you said my kid's not normal. Right. Who's really normal though? Right. Exactly. That's very spot on. <clears throat> so yeah, I just want to clarify that we're not saying anyone's not normal, but it's abnormal. Behaviors to that are person. different, correct, than what someone who is not neurodivergent would behave. Correct. And as you keep saying, you're not a doctor, I'm not a doctor. We just have experience because we have neurodivergent children. Yep. So I've got a couple of things to share. I thought I'd share this little story from one of our listeners first. So she is a bio mom separated from both of her kids' dads. So she's got two dads like two kids, two dads, but she was a stepmom when she was with her youngest son's father as well. Um, So the story she shared with me was, I was both a mother and a stepmother to two neurodiverse boys, only a year apart in age. I think accepting that just because they have the same diagnosis doesn't mean they're the same. They each have different needs and trying to cater to them both was chaos. The parental burnout is real. 
inconsistencies in routine triggers a meltdown, i.e. different foods, bedtimes, rules. Heck, last fortnight we had a meltdown over a lunchbox. Mm -hmm. So the correspondence around therapies with the co-parent was a nightmare too. I also had disagreements with my son's dad over his NDIS. He wanted access to his funding, wanting to request reports we didn't need. I had to actually put in our court order that if he wanted any additional reports, he needed to pay for them and not use our son's NDIS. Then you have the struggle of agreeing on how to utilize the funding. One parent may want the child to do speech and OT. The other might want the child to use the funding for psychology and feeding therapy. So I just wanted to clarify for our American listeners and for you, the NDIS is a thing here in Australia, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And it is like government funding for children and adults with a verified disability. So that's what she was referring to in that. So her co-parent was trying to access the government funding to basically waste it because in some cases, like for example, little mm. Jay gets given $12,000 a year to pay for his therapies so that we don't have to pay for it and we can give him the support he needs. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm struggling to get anything for Big K because like your stepson, he's autistic, but not autistic enough. Yeah. So, cause there's three levels on for the autism spectrum. So you've got ASD three, which is the most severe. You got ASD two, which is you need support. And then ASD one, where you're really high functioning, high functioning. and it makes it harder to get what you mm-hmm. need. Basically, you need so support, I, but- I believe that there is something like that in the States that if you're on a certain level of, you know, ASD, uh, you do get government funding. Um, but again, Joshua is not at that level. So that's not something that we would have. Um, but I do know of a couple other moms whose children are, you know, at the highest level. And I believe that they do get some sort of funding, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that whole thing works. Yeah, well, that's good to know. Um, so I thought that was a good story to share because I know that I'm struggling. My co-parent won't speak to me about any of our son's diagnosis and yeah, but we can get into more of that as we answer some of the listener questions. Um, so another listener wrote in and said, great topic. I'm struggling with my two neurodivergent bonus kids. Don't know how I can help. It's been a super bad week with them. I have them full time, except every second week their Disney mom takes them. Not sure how well I navigate it, but I need advice. And I did write back to her and said, what what specifically do you need advice on? But she didn't get back to me before recording, but it can be. So that's me. That's me. So that's literally my situation. Um, I'm the full-time stepmom to my son who's neurodivergent. Our custody has just recently changed because we moved. But prior to that, um, it was every other weekend for one night um and it they would go with their disney mom you know and um they give him whatever he wants as far as diet um unlimited screen time and just the whole routine's off and then he comes back and it's like we start over and i know with our new um custody arrangement it's going to be the same thing i think um he's have he's been there for 7 weeks for the summer and they'll come home to us here in the next few days and i know it's going to be a struggle to get him back on his schedule or his routine and i know that frustration and i just want to encourage the stepmom I, I hope you're listening um the only thing you can do is be consistent on your end and don't drive yourself crazy about what the other home does because you're never going to be able to control it and it's only going to make you 
internalize and be crazy and get angry. And something that would happen is I would get upset with their mother. And obviously you can't take it out on their mother. So who mm-hmm. does who gets the short end of the stick? And that would be that child. And it's not that child's fault, right? Yeah. It's not their fault that they're saying yes to red licorice because it's being offered to them, right? right. He's the kid. That's what they want that. Exactly. So I just know for me, really being able to shift that mentality and knowing you're not going to be able to change her and chances are she's doing it because it bothers you. And because realistically, why would you not want to do what's best for your kids? So just be consistent on your end and let them know. Like one of the things we started doing is, hey, we know that when you're here, they give you Oreo cookies every night. Granted, it's gluten-free, um, but it's still a cookie. So that's going to be on you to say, actually, I don't want that. I'd like fruit instead. Or can I have strawberries um, instead? And just give them the power to be able to say no. And they may not do it because they're a kid, but encourage them that they do have the power to to say, oh, that's okay. I think I'll pass on that cookie. Um, Or give them the tools to say, instead of the Oreos, there's this uh, so I don't know if you guys have keto over there, but mm-hmm. um, keto uses like monk fruit. And so those are really uh, great alternatives um, to like a regular cookie because it's going to use uh, like monk fruit or uh, a sugar alternative like stevia that's actually good for you and not aspartame. Um, mm-hmm. So there's those options that you can always do as well. Um, so just give them the power um, because I can assure you as the full-time stepmom, um, you're going to go crazy trying to control the way the Disneyland mom does things. And right. that would be my biggest advice because, and it's hard. It's not easy. I mean, how frustrated are you? How frustrated am I when they come home and I'm like, he's completely off. He's a wreck. Like, right. why would you not give your child what they need to be successful? But right. you're the full-time stepmom for a reason. And that's all I'm going to say there. <laughs> and you and I were talking about this before. Like we have basic week on week off custody. We have basically 50% custody of my stepsons. And it's like, why would you give a kid a can of Coke? Mm -hmm. You know, because you want to be the favorite parent. So you give them what they want. Whereas you can teach the kids autonomy over themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, because look at Big K, he'll give in. He knows that he's only with his dad for three days. So he's not going to ask, can you feed me vegetables? This food makes right. me feel like shit. He's just going to mm-hmm. eat what he's given. He's going to enjoy that he's being treated because I don't buy him takeaway. So he goes right. there, he eats takeaway for a weekend. And I'm not saying it's every weekend. Like right. they do feed him vegetables. I, I may make it sound like they don't, but they actually do feed him vegetables. But I know when he hasn't because mm-hmm. he comes home and he asks me to pack in a salad, like a full on garden salad in his lunchbox and he takes Mm -hmm. a fork and he eats it you know the past week he was after he came back he was asking for like salad sandwiches for school I'm like okay mate but that's just his way like he knows what foods make him feel good Mm -hmm. um and I guess while we're talking about food it kind of segues into the next couple of questions which I think might have been written by the same person on three or like on your account my account and the RHK account I'm pretty sure and it's OMG yes need all the advice as bio mom is diagnosing stepdaughter nine then the next one reads what do you do when stepdaughter is being diagnosed how to 
help and what to do if bi mum tries to get meds. And then the next mm. question was what to do if bi mum tries to put child on meds, but dad doesn't want it. So I'm pretty sure they were all written by the same person. And I did respond to one of the messages and I said, look, I'm very pro-medicine because I've seen what it can do. I said, but at the end of the day, if you want advice on medication, you need to talk to your doctor. You need to mm-hmm. find out why does bio dad not want to medicate? You know, is he being that's, involved in the doctor's appointments? I said, because you're not going to have, and I think I said this earlier, you're not going to have a parent walk in and go, this is what's wrong with my child. I want a diagnosis. Right. I think that's what my son's father thinks happened, right? Mm-hmm. I, he didn't partake in any of the assessments. He didn't show up to any of the appointments. And it's the same assessment tools used in both of our countries. Mm-hmm. And it's probably used in other countries as well for anyone else out there listening. But I know in the case for Little J, where both families were involved, we all got sent home the assessments. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband was kept out of the assessment process for Big J and I didn't keep Big K's dad out of the assessment process. I invited him to all the appointments. He just didn't show up. So there was actual examinations done. There was tests. There was tests filled out by myself, the school, mm-hmm. um, and then the doctors did it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not just like, it's like extensive. Like you it's need extensive. to take the time to fill it out. Like it takes a while. I started the process with Big K in November and we got the diagnosis in June. Like yeah. that's that's how long it's taken. Yeah. yeah. And I swear when I picked up the phone to Telly's father, I thought that he would just be accepting of it and then we could have a conversation about how we're going to deal with it, right? No, he abused me and was like, I told you to call me if a decision needed to be made. And I'm like, but no decisions were made. I didn't make a decision. The doctors made a decision. Right. I didn't. So for this stepmom, you you need to reassure your partner that biomom can't walk in and go diagnose my child with this. It's not going to happen. Right. And if there's joint medical or whatever, both parents need to decide. And this is something that I'm struggling with, right? Because as I've said, Big K has a really good diet. Nothing he eats is helping him with his inattentive memory. And one thing that I discussed with his therapist is like, I'm well aware about what, for example, antidepressants have done for me in the past. I've gone on antidepressants, but I've used them to give me the pick-me-up so that I can mm-hmm. learn, I can start functioning mm-hmm. to use therapy as a tool, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, Big J is no longer medicated. He was medicated a few years back and then he got to a point and he goes, I don't want to take it anymore because mm-hmm. he learned some tools, mm-hmm. right? So just because you have ADHD doesn't mean you need medication. Correct. And I want to, and I want to speak to that because that's very true with my husband. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, my husband has ADHD, which would make sense why Joshua does very, very similar thought processes. And my husband was never given the proper tools because remember, we can go back to know that his mother had Asperger's. She was on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So of course she wasn't able to help him. So he's had to learn to do these tips and tricks on his own, but he sees a lot of similarities in our son that he had, and he's not on medication. Yeah. However, like we're talking about with your son, he knows how he reacts when he doesn't eat the proper food. And I kind of said that earlier. And and I, I want to touch to this because obviously I'm pro-medication. I mm-hmm. said that earlier, but I'm not pro-medication across the board in our lives. I think it's really important to assess what's what is a benefit and I would ask you to ask your spouse you know like Tony you just said why is he anti-medication what is does he have a stigma behind it does he think medicating your child is 
is? Like, what is the reason why he's hesitant? Because I, I would question, um, I would really question the why behind it. Because if it can help your stepchild, why, why would we, why would we not want to do something that can help them? And they might not need to be on it forever. Maybe it's just exactly. like you're saying, maybe it's just until they get a little older and our bodies change as we hit puberty. Maybe once they hit puberty, you know, she'll be different. You, you know, mm-hmm. there's just so you, you, they'll be able to respond different and not that they'll like not be neurodivergent because that's not what I'm yeah. saying. They'll always be neurodivergent, but as puberty hits, maybe it'll change so slightly. So the, the way she's responding now, she might not respond and it might be showing up in a different way, but maybe that's the way she could control it a little bit more or she's given the, the tools needed to control it. And so, and not control, that's not the right word, but respond better. Right. And, that's and so about, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, and that's one reason why I'm pro medication. So mm-hmm. in the case of Big K, they do say diet can contribute to ADHD. You know, mm-hmm. you, your diet isn't really going to impact ASD, like those traits, the stims and everything that's environmental. That's not what you're putting into your body. That's everything around you. But with the ADHD, your diet helps with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and the doctors are like, oh, you can give him omega-3 and fish oil and all this. And I'm like, he's been having multivitamins his entire life. He eats so much fish. He could be a fish Mm -hmm. or he could be a shark really because he eats that Mm -hmm. much fish. He has a healthy diet. It's not helping because Mm -hmm. this is the same kid that will be distracted by a blank TV screen. Right. Right. He he took an hour to eat breakfast, staring at a blank window at a fence. Mm -hmm. He was distracted. There was nothing out there, just a fence. He he needs a little get up and go. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that I've said before, I talked to my kids about autonomy. So I spoke to him about how he feels. How does his ADHD, the things that happen to him, make him feel? And he explained it to me and he's like, mom, it's kind of like, you know how in the morning in winter and it's really foggy? He's like, that's what Mm. my brain is like all the time. And I said, all right. So if there was a tablet you could take every day that would make the fog go away really quickly. Mm -hmm. Or a clear path. Yeah. I said like, because he said it gets easier as the day goes on. But when he first wakes up in the morning, it's really hard. And it takes him to about halfway through the day at school. And he really struggles to keep, he can stay on task, but he can't segue to the next task. Mm-hmm. I said, so if there was a tablet you could take that would just clear that path, make that fog go away, would you want to try it? And he was like, is there really something that will make the fog go away? And I was like, yeah. I said, so we can talk to your doctor about it. It's about teaching the kids, right? Whereas mm-hmm. we've got little Jay, he needs to be on medication. And I can say that I am adamant that he's going to be on it for the rest of his life because he cannot control himself. Maybe with more extensive therapy, he might learn. But we've done short-acting Ritalin, long-acting Ritalin. We're now on a Dexan amphetamine and it's a quite a high dose for a small human mm-hmm. he's probably going to be that small percentage that need it for the rest of their life mm-hmm. but i wouldn't be against medicating purely because of the stigma i do my research Correct. and medication in conjunction with therapy can be a great tool mm-hmm. so, i agree i agree good question so the next one is currently struggling badly with biosun who has adhd or odd so i don't think there's a diagnosis yeah i think it's just the behaviors are recognized right and i was going to message back but i forgot i've been so busy but i as we've spoken about before it's not one size fits all and you can have multiple diagnoses and quite often you do have multiple diagnoses mm-hmm. and a lot of traits with odd 
are also similar with ASD. Yes. So they kind of go hand in hand and it can be kind of hard to differentiate them a lot because someone who's autistic can be very blunt and rude and more kind of narcissistic. Well, and they don't understand the the social norms either. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. they they quite often lack empathy, which are all things Mm -hmm. that go in hand with narcissism and ODD. Mm -hmm. Without more context of what you're going through, feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to reach out to the RHK page. Feel free to reach out to Jocelyn because we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. I And I guess for this person, I would just say, I think it's easy to say this is what your child has um, without getting a diagnosis. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's super important important to have a diagnosis because if your child does not in fact have these traits these neurodivergent qualities then there's something else right it could be mm-hmm. um maybe it's a trauma response and they're dealing with um gosh there could be a number of things that they could be dealing with and so i think being able to figure out and it's actually funny now that i say that i had it we had um our kids in therapy because of just what had happened to them and our situation Mm -hmm. with CWS. And um, the one of the therapists was basically saying that Joshua was not in fact ADHD, and it was a trauma response. And I was like, "Um, I mean, I disagree with you. You don't you don't live with us. So like, with all due respect, like you don't live with us. Um, And he has actually been assessed by psychologists. So um, but I said that earlier, right? So I right. saw the traits in Big K. Like he was two years old and he organized my Tupperware cupboard. Mind you, he's colorblind, but he could organize them by colors, opaques, clears. It was mm-hmm. sorted to perfection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, doc- and doctors kept telling me it was a trauma response. So when right. I went in, so I went through our public health system through um, a, a section called child development. And I'm pretty sure they have it all across Australia, not just here in Queensland, but got to ask your doctor. And they were like, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I believe he has inattentive ADHD. I believe he has autism. And if it isn't, is this just a trauma response? Right. And when it all came back, they, they said to me, there's definitely still trauma there. But right. the difference is, is he's the behaviors change when he's triggered, but are those behaviors always there? If the behaviors mm-hmm. are always there it's not trauma right the behaviors only come when they're triggered right and so i think that that's super important is to get the diagnosis before before moving forward because um i mean joshua walks on his toes and they told me oh he'll grow out of it he'll grow out of it i mean that was that it is right and that was something that i have pushed from day one and they're like he'll grow out of it 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 well he's 11 and he still walks on his toes okay so Mm -hmm. hasn't grown out of it and he never will he'll always walk on his toes and we tell him don't walk on your toes don't walk like it's just that's it and so i think being able to just one she the question said she was frustrated right was those without her struggling words struggling so i would just say get the diagnosis if that is what is the issue so you can get the proper support the occupational therapy the support at school if you i don't nine was the age right so no i don't know maybe you didn't get an age there was depending on their age you can write a letter to their teacher in the school and request them to be assessed through the school that was actually part of the reason we really were able to move forward was because we had the assessment with the school present to the pediatrician to then get the referral right so 
do these things, ask for the assessment, um, write his pediatrician and ask for the pediatrician to see if they'll write you a referral to see a psychologist. A psychologist will assess them. Do Mm -hmm. these things so you can have the support. Sometimes it's really just knowing you were right and you weren't looking at your child and thinking they're different and I'm a bad mom for thinking that way. But it's like you just need that reassurance behind the way you're feeling. And a label doesn't mean that you're labeling the child. It's not a bad thing the label correct. allows them the correct supports and I think that's a, that's a pretty worldwide thing yeah like schools mm-hmm. don't tend to always support you if you don't have the label correct and yes sometimes there is the bad stigma but you basically need to tell those people to fuck off yeah and yeah those people shouldn't be in education <laughs> no and and if it's family members they're not they're not family right right but yep. that leads into our next question which is how quickly can we get them diagnosed so that's obviously going to be different across the globe so yeah for example I went through the public health system and I said it took from November to June to get big K assessed through the public health system here but what I didn't say so that was his first appointment was in November 2022 but his referral from his general practitioner was sent to child development in November 2021 Mm -hmm. so it took a whole year before he was even it's a process yeah and then you look at the process that I went through with little J where we got the pediatrician appointment but then bio mom lied and said the behaviors weren't there so he wouldn't give the diagnosis and so it's really been like a whole process of you know just waiting so it depends if the parents are on board or not but I'm guessing it's probably roughly a year in America as well I think it really just depends I mean like I said I noticed these traits way back when. I mean, the toe walking was the first thing that set me off. Like I recognize that we didn't get an actual diagnosis and didn't get to see a psychologist until um, third grade. So that was, I mean, years. So I I, I think I, I know that in a America, I don't know how it is where you guys are, but they're very hesitant to diagnose anyone before a certain age. It's um, the same here. Yeah. So, and I get that. I mean, children are children um, and they act, you know, they, obviously as the older they get, the more mellow or whatever, but when you know, you know. So um, I, I think the answer is it really just depends and you need to be that advocate for your child. You need to Absolutely. be the squeaky wheel. You need to follow up. You need to send the emails. That's what I was going to You need say. to push hard. You need to and- advocate. Yeah. Like when I because to, who else is going to do it? Right. When I had big case appointments, I sat down when I got his findings appointment where they gave me the results of the assessment. I was with a psychologist and a speech therapist and they said, we cannot commend you enough for advocating for him. And mm-hmm. I cried and they're like, are these oh, happy yeah. tears or sad tears? I said, these are happy tears because now I have answers and now I can get mm-hmm. him help. I mm-hmm. don't, if they came back and said, there's no diagnosis, then I'd be like, my kid's just an asshole. Right. <laughs> Right. Those would be sad tears. Right. I know. (laughs) You know, but like I was expecting a diagnosis. If it came back that there was no diagnosis, then my kid's just an asshole and he's just playing me. Right. Right. But I knew in my gut that there was something there and I wanted to do better. Like I've spoken on this podcast before. He has big dreams. He is eight and a half years old. And he told me that as soon as he's finished school, he's going to university. He wants to become an aeronautical engineer and he wants to move to America and he wants to work for NASA. I love it. That is his dream. You know, I understand children's like the goalposts move, right? Children's dreams change. 
But if he's anything like me, he'll give up on his dreams because it will become too hard. Right. So I needed to do what I needed to do to support him, to support his dreams. Right. And I don't, I don't care if he ends up being a garbage truck driver, if Mm -hmm. it makes him happy. Right. Mm -hmm. But right now he wants to be an aeronautical engineer. He's not going to get there being neurodivergent without the proper tools. Support. support. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and to even speak on that, I, I remember when we did the whole IEP thing and it was very discouraging because um, when we were in the meeting and we're talking to the the people and they're like, well, he's so smart. And I'm like, I, I get that. Being smart is not the issue here. He excels in math. He, I mean, he's crazy smart. That is not the issue. I don't think my child needs to be pulled out of a classroom because um, he needs more help with math. Like that is not the issue. He's crazy smart. My issue is that he's going to be labeled a bad child because he taps the pencil on his desk because he has to move and Mm. the teacher is going to ask him to stop and he's not going to be able to stop. He literally cannot stop. His brain will not allow him to stop. And the teacher is going to label him as being disrespectful, not listening, poor student. And so we're having these whole things and I'm like, I started crying because I'm like, I'm not saying my child is stupid. My child is extremely smart. My issue is I don't want him to be, and yeah, his school scores are incredible. Mm-hmm. But the way he responds, I don't want him to be labeled the class clown. I don't mm-hmm. want him to be labeled the, the the bad child because he's not. That is not who he is. That is the neurodivergent quality of he makes people laugh because that's how he can connect with them because he doesn't know how to connect with them in a normal conversation. Or he doesn't stop when someone's saying, please stop, because he can't read that social cue. So these are the things that he needs help with. That's the occupational therapy, right? So anyways, I just want to add that in there. And I I thought I should add like little Jay lacks discipline in the other home, right? And I can respect that his mother tries to gentle parent, but it doesn't work with him because he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he needs us to show him the emotion Mm -hmm. that that goes with our feeling. Mm -hmm. You can't be a gentle parent and tell him that you're angry with him because he doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't get that. Mm -hmm. So there's no discipline. And so we're Mm -hmm. constantly dealing with when he's in the other home, there's detentions, there's suspensions, there's everything. Like he went to school and he beat up a kid last week because of something the kid said to him while he was locked in his bedroom at his mother's house playing Fortnite. The kid killed him, teased him, went to school the next day and little Jay beat the crap out of him and ended up Mm. suspended, you know? And her resolution is like, oh, no more Fortnite. And it's like, that's not teaching him. Right. Like, right. That's the quick fix, but allow him to play Fortnite, but put rules around it. Like you can't play it in your bedroom alone. You have to be supervised, you know, things like that. So people might say that we're counter-parenting because we're allowing the Fortnite to still happen in our house, but we also don't allow video games during the week. It's weekends only. Gosh. Yeah. It's a different parenting style, but we've had so many times where we've put down a discipline and she said she'd carry on with it in her home and then doesn't. it doesn't so we're yeah. like well what's going to work best for us we found we've told him normal rules apply but we're not donating to your school fundraisers so you're not going to get prizes for doing your color run that's right. your punishment right see and we don't do uh screen time during the week yeah that's the same as us weekends because i he 
he won't get anything done or he'll lie and say he got stuff done or he didn't have homework, right? right. That was That's one thing that was happening in the other home. He would tell her he doesn't have homework so he could be on the tablet. Mm-hmm. Well, he did have homework and he rushed to get it done in class and didn't finish it properly because he needed to turn it in. Little Jay was suspended. He was meant to do schoolwork. He didn't even do yeah. his homework. Yeah. He told us that he spent the week watching movies and chilling in the spa. Right, right. So, so I think that those are the things that, and one thing I do want to say too is um, I have found when we are disciplining him to um so touch can be a very sensitive thing for them Mm -hmm. and so sometimes it's like maybe just like he doesn't want to be touched at all so you just be need to be mindful of that like I know sometimes parents will grab a kid Mm -hmm. we generally don't do that because he'll Mm -hmm. freak out um for us it's getting on his level and getting face to face with him Mm -hmm. and saying look what what you're doing is not okay behavior and here's why or when your sister tells you to stop you need to stop immediately, not do it a few more times. And he's like, well, I think it's funny. Okay, but she doesn't think it's funny because she's right. asking you to stop, right? So you have to explain that to him because he doesn't understand why she wants him to stop. He thinks it's funny and he's yeah. not trying to be hurtful, right? So it's getting that explanation. It is. But we are out of time. Technically, we've gone over time. So this is a two-part yes. episode, but I am so grateful for you taking the time out of your day to speak to me. Thank and you. I'm probably going to have to have you back so that we can continue this conversation because yeah. there's so much. If it wasn't after midnight right now, I would keep I going. Yes, it is definitely. We'll have to do this again. And anyone yeah. listening, like just remember every situation is different. N- neither one of us are doctors or psychologists. We're just moms who have had to advocate for our children. So if you have any right. questions, please feel free to ask us. Absolutely. Reach out to any of us and let us know if you want Jocelyn and I to do another episode on neurodivergent children. Yeah. We've enjoyed talking to you. Thank <laughs> Bye. you. Bye. Once again, thank you for joining Joining me for part two of Neurodivergent Children with my guest co-host Jocelyn Flowers. Hope you enjoyed it and don't forget if you like this episode please go find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Threads and don't forget to leave us a written review wherever you like to listen and talk to you again next week. Bye!